Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Happy Beaujolais Nouveau Day! Yay! It's a celebration, bitches! It's a celebration. Uh, So by the time we release this, it is actually Beaujolais Nouveau Day, but... We are recording this in advance of, so that you can hear it on the day of, which means that we could not get our hands on beautiful Beaujolais Nouveau. So today, want want indeed. Today we are two. We are drinking two Gamay Noir wines, and Gamay Noir is the great Beaujolais Nouveau is made from. One of these hails from France, from Beaujolais, and the other one that Sarah found is. Yes, it's so Beaujolais is usually from France, like you said. Mm-hmm. This is uh, from California, and it's a 2016 Gamay Noir, and I love the play on the words here, but the name of the wine is Bone Jolly, because they can't call it Beaujolais, so Bone Jolly. And so today, our episode, Bone Jolly for Beaujolais, it all brings it together yeah. and wraps it into a nice little package with a pretty bow on top. Yeah, so we were going to do a little uh, tasting and comparing and yeah. see the different styles since you usually don't find 100% Gamay uh, from California. Yeah. So no, I thought that was kind of weird. So let's, you're going to crack. Yeah. I'm going to pop. Mine is a twist off. So here we go. Now I already know that this is a light, very light in color. I'm gonna pass around some glasses here. <laughs> Take so, them and yes, them you can see how light it is. Oh my gosh, it's mm. almost like oh my god, it's pretty. It's like it looks a, like cherry juice. Yeah, it really, it really, really does. It that's looks a, like we're drinking a, cosmopolitan. This looks like the cherry juice that my husband drinks. Like he gets that cherry concentrate and he adds water to it, um, and that's what that looks like. <laughs> this is so different. This is so different. And the Beaujolais from France is a much darker color. Wow. Oh my God. This so is we, we've definitely got some interesting stuff going on here. This will be a wild comparison. That is All right. for sure. Oh my God. It looks like Robitussin. <laughs> this is for you. Okay. Thank you, madame. Holy shit. Okay. So All right. What should we, I, what, are we cheersing all four? Let's I, do it. Why not? Okay. All right. Cheers, Cheers bitches. bitches. Surround sound. Yeah. There you go. I don't know what to do. I'm going to drink French I'm gonna first. Go, I'm going to go... Okay, I'm going to go for the Bone Jolly first. Okay. Okay, so this uh, this French Beaujolais, it's, um, it smells... It smells a little sour. It smells like, like sour licorice. cherry. Ooh. Yeah, licorice and sour cherries. That's it what I'm tastes getting. like sour cherries too. Yeah, but this is a, like a I'd say There's this a, is like a medium bodied wine actually. This is a light to medium body. There's a yeah I would I would lean towards medium, and I think there's a good amount of earth on this. But the color of it, the color is really mm-hmm. nice. I mean, it's like a slight. I mean, it's between a garnet and a ruby. It has like a very very slight pink tinge to it. So do you want to introduce to our listeners which Beaujolais this? Oh is? my god, I totally didn't. Okay, it's 2015. It's I'm going to butcher this. As you guys know, we butcher French all the time on this podcast. Um, it is Julianas, Julianas, uh, Le Mouille. <laughs> it's 
It's a 2015 Pardon, pardonnez-moi, Pardon et Fille. That's the um, winemaker, right? That is the winemaker. And this is, in fact, from the Beaujolais region. So you can call this Beaujolais. 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 It's 13% ABV, looks like. Oh, yeah. So what's... And usually Gamay Noir is going to be a slightly... Like, on for reds, on a lower on end. On the lower end, right. Yeah, um, it's 13. Yeah, uh, so I am... We have for Bone Jolly, it's uh, made by Edmund St. John. Uh, it's obviously named Bone Jolly. It's a 2016 from El Dorado County in California, which we'll kind of talk about a little bit. And it's a 12.47% that ABV. So, That's very specific. Okay. Well, when you look at it, I would not expect this to have heavy alcohol content at all. No, this is extremely light. And interesting enough, I was introduced to this wine at a California wine tasting that I went to. Um, <laughs> I just came up with a really interesting description, but I, I want to hear yours. I just read my notes after drinking this to see what I had written, and it's pretty much the same thing. <laughs> Consistency, that's yep. good. Yep, that's which good. is, uh, you know, it's a very light red to rosé pink kind of even um, color, like we said, like a watered-down cherry juice, um, and that it actually tastes... Like watered down cherry juice, and it is acidic. Um, so, uh, like we said, it's 100% Gamay. Um, the fruit here is destemmed, uh, fermented, and aged with no oak content contact. So there's okay. no oak on this. It's stainless steel. Oh sure, I can um, tell that. I mean, there's like not much tannin no. to go around here. It's it is extremely acidic. So this is actually closer to what a Beaujolais Nouveau right would taste like. Um, versus a Beaujolais. Well, yeah, abs- I think that's a great point. And I'll just say that I'll offer my <laughs> description of this one. It's kind of like a throat lozenge. <laughs> like a cherry cough Like the Ludens? Yes, exactly. So... I got you, girl. Yeah. I got you. I feel like that is... This is the essence of Ludens. So if you feel a cold coming on... I mean, you could spend money on a Ludens, a uh, package of Ludens, or you could just get a bone jolly, which might make you more happy. Probably. You'll probably forget <laughs> that you're sick. Exactly. So. Uh, but so, actually, yeah, I'm really glad that you mentioned this is more similar to the Beaujolais Nouveau style. And just a quick refresher. So Beaujolais Nouveau is released on the third Thursday of every November. At midnight. At 12.01. So that's why we can't get it. Because what happens is, is in France at least, it's illegal to release it before. Yeah. So they stockpile it like right like a few days or a few weeks before. Probably a few days, I think. And then they release it right at midnight. The stores do. So I mean, think about it. Okay, I'm sorry, so 12.01. 12.01. So we are... It's in November. I mean, some of these harvests happened... They finished up in a, like just mm-hmm. a month ago. Mm-hmm. Granted, Beaujolais Nouveau is in fact the first harvest, so they're the first grapes that are picked. So I think that they are intentionally the grapes. We have very low alcohol content. The grapes don't have as much sugars in them. I think that's the brick scale. Mm-hmm. They don't have as much sugars to convert into alcohol, and so it makes a ton of sense because they probably have a select plot, if you will. Just pick all those grapes from that section, and that's what's used for Beaujolais Nouveau. Yeah. So it is a limited quantity uh, that's made because it's also something that's not meant to be drank like far into the next year. Like they, the Beaujolais Nouveau Day.com 
<laughs> actually says that Beaujolais Nouveau is meant to be drunk by like May of the following year. So very short shelf life, unless it's an extremely amazing vintage, which apparently 2000 was, but that was something that they could, they said you could even drink until like the next year's release. But even still, that's like a year shelf that's life. That's it. I mean, like you better get it and drink it. This is not something that you're aging. And PSA, don't hold on to your Beaujolais Nouveau. No, <laughs> drink it. Drink, drink it fast. So why don't we talk a little bit about the history behind Beaujolais Nouveau. Let these wines air out because I do want to get into these wines and um, kind of the differences in styles and things like that. So yeah, acidic as shit, huh? What? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> That's just like the Nouveau. It's a slap in the face, man. It is. Like this arrogant <laughs> little thing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm reminiscing back to our earlier episode about <laughs> Not that I think this. But I did see a wine tasting that said Beaujolais no-go instead of Nouveau. That's so crazy. I'm not saying I'm in support of that. I'm just saying it's, some, it's there is, it is a polarizing wine. You know, sure. like love and hate. Yeah. So anyways, uh, so Beaujolais Nouveau Day. So how did, that, how, did that, how did that come to be? You know what? I don't even know how it originated um, and why it originally, I, wow, shit, I probably should have looked into that a little more. I thought I was going to find more information about that, but it's a party. Um, there are parties everywhere, but primarily in the Beaujolais region of France. And there's like over 120 in Beaujolais alone, which is, but a small section of the country of France. Uh, the most famed is called Les Sarmentelles okay. and it is in Beaujolais. If I'm pronouncing that right, they might be missing a U in this website, okay. um, which is the capital of the Beaujolais region. And there is a quote that says, there's also a tasting contest featuring all of the 12 kinds of Beaujolais in which the winner nets his or her weight in Beaujolais village. In the evening, a torch lit parade honors the farmers that made the wine and fireworks at midnight mark the release of the new wine, which is then drank until dawn. So it kind of seems like an around the clock celebration of the end of the harvest. It's the start of, you know, all of this newness in terms of the new vintages being released. And I think mm -hmm. it's sort of that it's almost like how Halloween like marks the end of summer and the start of winter. This is like... Beaujolais Nouveau Day like symbolizes that transition from all of that hard work you put in over the last year on developing this vintage and just really allowing everyone to kind of let loose and go crazy and really just start fucking enjoying wine. Hell yeah. There's actually a slogan that they say. Yes. La Beaujolais Nouveau est arrivé, which means the new Beaujolais has arrived. But there's a new one. Oh, changed. okay. It changed. That was the original, okay. I think. Uh, it changed in 2005 to, it's Beaujolais Nouveau time. All right. It's like it's go time. Is that, is that the American or the French? Well, it was on the website. I think that's even the French one. Okay. So I have a little bit behind the history. Do it. Do it. Um, <laughs> it became as a local, it was like a local thing at first in the local bars and cafes in Beaujolais and Lyon. Um, and every fall, the new Beaujolais would arrive with like a ton of enthusiasm. So the wine was drunk by everyone in the city who was really excited. Um, so it was made fast to drink because it was supposed to be fun and leisurely. Yeah. So then the government stepped in. 
to regulate the sale because it was basically like this like very quickly transported free-flowing wine. And that was in 1938 when they put in restrictions. Yep. Um, and then in 1951, these regulations were revoked. Uh, huh. And the Beaujolais Nouveau was officially recognized. So they were allowed to do it again. Wait, so they so the government stepped in and said, nope, you're not allowed to do this. Yeah, we're so they mixing were mixing your celebration. Pretty much. And you're whining. Yep. So this official release date was November 15th that they decided that that could be, that Beaujolais Nouveau was officially born. Um, um, and by this time, it was such a local tradition, but it had gained popularity. So now the people in Paris were doing it. And then there was a race. So there was basically a race for people to race their wines to Paris for this celebration. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, okay. And this so, is the other thing. But yeah, the thing is, ahead. is this is when, so in 1985, the date was changed to the third Thursday of November instead of actually uh, November 15th. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, so they wanted to tie it to a weekend. That's why. So it wasn't like a random Monday or something. Okay. Uh, and then... But wherever it went, they had to agree to not sell it before midnight of that day. That is so... It's so funny because obviously then... I mean, if you think about the transportation... I was talking to Sarah about this before we even started recording this. Like, in order to get it here, they have to plan that shit far enough in advance. And, like, the distribution... I mean, I've seen Beaujolais Nouveau at a lot of different, you know, big chains, small local wine shops, things like that. So it's a very, it's a vast distribution now. Yeah. Well, so in the 1970s is when it became popular in Paris with the races. Okay. So it was a national event in France. So then the races spread to like other countries in Europe Mm -hmm. in the 1980s. And then this followed by North America in the 1990s. And North America also uses it as a marketing aspect because it's like Thanksgiving, Christmas, like type of holiday wine. Um, and I do think, I mean, we can get to this a little bit more, but Gamay is supposed to go well with a lot of foods. So this, I understand the idea that this is like a Thanksgiving wine that makes a shit ton of sense. And because it's then released a week, literally a week before Thanksgiving, people can stock up and it's typically a pretty cheap wine, right? Well, that's the other thing. So in the U S where red wine is less consumed, um, Beaujolais Nouveau is pretty close to a white wine because of the way it's made. It's it's only pressed after like three days after picking. Um, so these tannins that normally aren't found in red wines leave it like an easy fruity drinking wine for oh, a lot yeah. of people who aren't really into red wine and mm-hmm. are more into white wine. And when it's chilled, people can just gulp it down, don't really sip it. Oh, yeah. So that's, that's the other thing. So it makes it like kind of like... A silly type of celebration because you're gulping down this wine. Um, I can't gulp wine. I know. I need to savor. And the other person who kind of made this famous was who we did on our, I think, believe third episode, Georges de Boeuf. Georges de Boeuf. So he really had a lot of a lot of efforts in marketing promotion, and he's basically like the biggest promoter and leader of Beaujolais and Beaujolais Nouveau. And I will. I, I, I thought his wine was pretty good. I actually thought it was too. Yeah. Um, So in the last 45 years, sales have risen from around a million bottles to more than 70 million. Shut up. Swear to God, girl. 
That's so wild. And the other thing is that, I mean, obviously a good chunk of it is still in France, but it's almost exploded. And as we've talked before, like everybody loves a reason to drink. And so these wine holidays and, you know, very, it's like limited edition. Yeah. Truly. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it is exported a lot to Japan, Germany, and the U.S. Yep. Yep. So. 15.5 million to yeah. those. To Big those. markets. In 2010, yeah. Yeah. States. So, um... I mean, countries, Jesus Christ. Uh, <laughs> something else is carbonic maceration, which we talked about uh, in, our, in our first episode on um, Beaujolais. But basically, it's whole berry fermentation. So this preserves the quality of the grapes, and you don't really extract the bitter tannins from the skins. Right. So which the, this is how Beaujolais Nouveau is made. Um, interestingly enough, there's a lot of carbonic maceration in different levels made with a lot of red wines, most mm-hmm. red wines. However, I, this is usually, I, this is, this is how Beaujolais is made as yep. carbonic maceration, carbonic but it is maceration. used, like you said, for other red wines. But I do, I don't know that it's particularly prevalent because it's, I feel like red wine, unless you're making a light red wine. Well, I think people don't do it solely. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, because this one, I I also read that carbonic maceration is a closed top, so it's almost like you're not really doing much. You said it's basically for, it's macerated grapes. for like three days. Yep, like they're fermented limited. in carbon dioxide, and then they're, and then they're mashed. Yeah, and then they also crushed. said that this, this preserves floral aromas uh, in the red wines, and so, which is interesting because I'm not getting that. In these yeah, wines. well, I mean, I don't know. But there is like a, I'm sure that that is a valid reason for this particular method. Yeah, and so that's why there's low tannins, and that's why it's ready to drink quickly, but doesn't have really the structure for long-term aging. So, you know, so for Beaujolais Nouveau, the period between when you pick and bottle the wine can be just like mm. five or six weeks. That's crazy, right? I can't. I can't imagine. And it is, like you said, it is a sealed container. Yeah. So, yeah, it's quite, so they basically like permeate the grapes with carbon dioxide and then this stimulates fermentation. Um, so neither of these were chilled, right? No. I had chilled mine before, but I definitely think it's been brought up to room temp. Yeah. So now that we've kind of gone through that fun stuff. Um, yeah. No, neither have been chilled. I actually think it would have been a wise to chill it. I agree because that allows other flavors. We did learn this. I think we talked about this in a few episodes, but sometimes the temperature, well, not sometimes there is a specific temperature. (laughs) Sarah's face. It's so, it's like, sorry, I had a little pucker. It's, these are really intense. So yeah, they're really intense, but, um, chilling it can either, if you chill it too much, you're going to like essentially halt any of the flavors or the aromas sort of spreading but there is a sweet spot in terms of those temperatures and that is why it's actually kind of important like there are people um like winemakers will actually sometimes put this information on the bottle yeah but otherwise like you can look at a variety of like books and other resources to see what the perfect temperature is because that's like studied to be like a tried and true temperature to serve the wine at in order to get the most flavor and aroma profile from your wine when you drink it. I would even, I think that this would be even closer to a white wine type of chill, at least for the bone jolly for sure. <sighs> yeah. 
<laughs> okay, so should we get into our uh, comparisons of the two yes. and where they come from? Because it is interesting, especially the Bone Jolly one. I find it funny. Let's... Um, Okay, well, actually, let's start with the with the French Beaujolais. Okay, because that's like the do the OG, right? That is where we started from. So again, this is a really nice color. We're getting some <laughs> some licorice, some I get a lot of licorice and acid, some sour cherry. It sour is a little cherry. bit more earthy, like, but there's not there's it, there's you earth can tell on it. there's not um, there's not. I feel like there's no oak even on this Beaujolais. There might be a little bit. I mean, this is a much deeper color, but do you remember how much this was? Sorry. <laughs> um, out of curiosity, supposedly I want to say it like, might have been like fifteen. Yeah, supposedly it was like pretty fifth, uh, pretty fifteen, pretty cheap. It's usually like what eleven bucks. Or I think something, that's what it. Yeah, I think when it was released, I bought the Beaujolais Nouveau at eleven, and then come like April. It was like $8. Yeah. I actually think that Louis Jadot makes a pretty good Beaujolais. Oh, yeah. Regular Beaujolais. Yeah, and it's pretty cheap. It's like $11, $12. This is... Oh, this is... It is bottled in Beaujo. Beaujo. The capital of Beaujolais. That sounds so bougie, as we said before. Beaujo bougie. Um, okay, so... So it's... Just, oh, go ahead. It's $18 average online. Hmm. I swear I only paid like 15 no, you probably got that sale. I probably did. Um, ironically, not ironically, but interestingly, this wine, the 2015, has won two gold medals and a trophy. Really? Yeah. I Yeah, I know. I know. And the thing is that this doesn't have any other distinction. Like, it is from a specific appellation. I get that. Mm -hmm. But um, I think it's just like a wine of France. It's not like a, you know... It obviously has to come from one of the crews, right? Isn't that one of the rules with French yeah. appellations? But this is, uh, it was, I'll say this, <clears throat> blind tasted by someone at Decanter Magazine in September of last year. And the, they awarded it 93 points. So this is even a year younger. Uh, fresh and lively, yet unforced and restrained. <laughs> I'd say, I'd call this fresh. I'd say it's very lively. It's very bright. Uh, yes. Fragrant red berry nose leading to a savory red fruit intensity on the palate and finishing with a long mineral tinged persistence. And it is, the drinking window for this is 2017 to 2020. Well, we're right there. I mean, we're in there. So they're saying red currant and raspberry. I, I, I think I pick up on the red currant. I don't know about the raspberry. Well, you eat raspberries and I don't. Yeah. But there is like some tartness and raspberries are like, maybe there is some raspberry in here. Maybe that's why this is not my favorite. <laughs> but, uh, rich and fleshy palate. Okay. So they do semi-carbonic <clears throat> maceration. That doesn't seem appropriate. In 10 to 12 days in cement tanks and then they press them. <sighs> that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I thought you had to do full carbonic maceration. No, you don't. You don't. That's what I was saying. And it's, it, it doesn't have any oak on it. It's aged in a tank six to eight months before filtration. Again, this is Beaujolais. This is not Beaujolais Nouveau. Uh, Interessante. First bottling in early spring of 2016. So, uh, I mean, guys, it's 
It's a very young wine. It's a very light wine. I, although I would, again, argue that this is light to medium bodied. Maybe it's not perhaps medium bodied. Medium. Do you think so? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like it's very, it's a little thin. No, yeah, it's light to medium. And I do think that maybe this is because it's semi carbonic yeah. maceration. I do think that this has a little, just a hint of tannin. Like when you taste it. Just a hint. I don't get it, but it doesn't mean it's not there. As compared to this. Yes. The Bone Jolly. Bone Jolly. This is Jolly as Bones. Jolly as Bones. We're Jolly as Santa Claus. <laughs> anyway. So, yeah. So, I mean, this is good. Um, the Julianne, that's what I'm going to call it. Uh, is located in the extreme northwest of the Beaujolais region, bordered on the south by Chenath and by Saint Amour on the northeast. So I actually think that the actually I have a beautiful excuse me I have a beautiful map in here of Beaujolais that I should definitely pull out because it's um I think that there's a lot that can be gained from knowing like and seeing where these regions are. Oh, for sure. So Beaujolais is tucked right here. I'm showing Sarah in this map. So it's like, it's landbound. Okay, so it's not, I feel like it's basically dead set along the center. It's right under Burgundy. It's like the waste yeah. of, it's the waste, but a little bit closer to, uh, to. Germany? Uh, yes. Mm -hmm. I can't, I'm blanking. Um, although there is a little, the Rhone River runs near it, but not directly next to it. Okay. So this map shows. But anyway, so you're not going to get like super coastal stuff is what I'm trying to say. And I think that, you know, we would expect, I think a little bit maybe deeper flavors if we had things that were a little bit further, closer towards the equator, a little further south. Um, but also this, it just seems very tight wine. Does that make sense? <laughs> That's shut up. <laughs> shut up. Um, yes. Anyway, what about your, uh, let's migrate across the big pond. Yeah. To America. 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 Um, yeah. So Edmund St. John is um, a winery in El Dorado County, California. And the winery began in 1985. The winemaker is Steve Edmonds. Uh, he, he's been around for a while. Like I said, they started in 1985, but he didn't start planting Gamay until 2000. Okay. Um, and this was like kind of interesting because for California, it was like these really big wines, jammy, like sweet, sweeter kind of wines that were really the popular wines and Gamay is just not that. It's wasn't not a this, jammy big red. Wasn't this like kind of like around the time of like White Zin, like the rise of White Zinfandel too? Yes. Yeah. Um, but he really was inspired by the Rhone Valley. And so mm -hmm. that's where he went with this hunch that Gamay would do well in the volcanic soils of... The foothills, because so let me talk about El Dorado County. That is yeah. this is the Sierra foothills that we talked about uh, with Omen oh, yeah. Red yeah, yeah. in our uh, episode a couple that couple weeks ago. So 
2002 was his first vintage. Um, the sommeliers love the wine. Um, Park Robert Parker, I don't think, was a huge fan of it, and so. <laughs> Um, you know, that's well, how Robert, it that's like the Robert Parker, like, um, tastings. And I, I know we've talked to other people about this, but it's like, so at, to some point you're kind of making wines because they've, ex, like, you've been able to trend sort of what the palates are looking for yeah. of those who are tasting for Robert Parker ratings. Right. And so kudos to fucking Steve Edmonds for like being like, you know what? I don't want anything to do with that. I'm going to start something else. That I, I think is going to do his own thing. Exactly. Uh, so interestingly enough, if you, um, go to his website, he's really, I know what you're laughing at. I'm getting there. (laughs) Um, but his goal, he says, is to produce wines of the highest level of quality, integrity, and authenticity, the hallmarks of which are balanced, nuanced, and elegance wines that express their origins in place and time through which the earth speaks in a clear and strong voice. And he says, as a winemaker for me, there's no other voice. So he talks about how, this um, wine grower from southern France visited his cellar, tasted a bunch of wines, and when it came to his favorite, his uh, quote was, La terre parle, the earth speaks. Yes. speaks. So he says if he's done his job well, then um, you can, you're, when you taste the wine, you would feel the same way, and that would be, that would be great. So... Um, so getting into this this wine of 2016, all his gamay comes from Barsati Vineyards, which is almost 3,000 feet elevation. Um, and the vines are planted in decomposed granite soils. So 2016 was the 10th year of harvesting gamay at Barsati. Um, and they talk about how they picked the grapes, that they were destemmed. We talked about that. They were mainly punched down. Um, and then when it was fermented dry, it was pressed in stainless steel, and then they had spontaneous malolactic fermentation. Spontaneous, I guess. Yeah. Uh, and then they bottled in February of two of uh, February fourteenth. So it's light. They're tasting notes from the winemaker. Um, red, slinged with, tinged with purple. The nose is very fresh and energetic. Plenty of fruit, some pepperiness, and a mineral streak. On the palate, they say it's racy and juicy, juicy, sporting a fine texture and a finish that continues to gain length as the wine ages and integrates. They only produced about 700 cases. Um, I think that's okay. <laughs> Jamie's not impressed. Well, I don't know if I agree with the winemaker's notes. I don't. I don't. It's. It's. It okay. is fresh. So yeah, it, there is fruit. There is a little bit of minerality. I just feel like I this don't is think like a it gains length. Rose. Yeah, I don't think it gains length. No. It um, yeah. I don't see this slight tinge of purple. I don't either. <clears throat> no. Uh, and I also, it's, sure, the nose, I agree, is very, very fresh. It seems very youthful and like it's, I'm even going to use the pardon I feel like it's lively. Like I get that. But I do think I don't get pepperiness. Like, at all. But this is very much, like... I I do think, as I'm smelling it now, I do think that it smells like very... Like a rosé. It it just is so light. You know, if I was blind tasting... I'd call it a rosé. Yeah, it would be pretty... Like, legit blind tasting. Not that I'm, like... 
like blind, like I can't even see what's in the glass. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't uh, even know what I would call this. Um, I haven't had any of his other wines, but he's he's been quoted an unsung hero by San Francisco Chronicle. All right, in wine. Me, um, here's something that is interesting. Okay. So you said, and it says here, that it's malolactic, spontaneous malolactic fermentation. Mm-hmm. Malolactic fermentation is a process that all red wines go through. And it's a bacteria. I'm not going to pronounce it. It's like Enococcus eni. Okay. Sounds ridiculous. I know. Uh, it alters sharp malic acid, like in apples, mm-hmm. into softer and smoother lactic acid, like milk. This is something that Chardonnays, when you have like an oak Chardonnay, it goes through malolactic fermentation. So you have like that brighter acidity that sort of becomes more creamy through malolactic fermentation. This, I can't believe, has gone through malolactic fermentation. It's so sharp and acidic still. I don't know. Like, it doesn't... Speaking of rosé, they have a Bone Jolly rosé, Gamay rosé. Oh, do they? They do. So that would be interesting to try that in comparison to this. Um, But like I said, he's been claimed that he's the... uh, Now, he didn't claim it, but people have called him the unsung hero of California wine. <clears throat> they say that sommeliers like really love the wine. Mm-hmm. Well, we haven't had any of his other ones, so I I don't know. Um, no, like this, like this particular, like Bone Jolly, like for because it was so drastically different from I think everything else on the market. And well, I think it's because he was introducing America to Rhone varietals. Yeah, um, and that he was saying you can grow these grapes here. So it's not just yeah. here in, or in California, too. I was reading that in Willamette Valley, like in Oregon, like mm-hmm. they are also growing Gamay. And in fact, last year they had their very, very first I Love Gamay uh, festival in Portland. And they had California, Oregon, and French Beaujolais or Gamay Noirs um, to kind of celebrate it, which is super, super interesting to compare, uh, obviously from Beaujolais region, which is like the traditional sense, and then those from the New World, because it's old world, new world, really. It is, and I think he was using old world, old old world techniques in New World, mm-hmm. and that was the other reason why he gained so much popularity. So he was doing this fresh, light, and bright approach to winemaking that wasn't popular at the time, and now it is. Um, so he kind of just stuck to it and California was so focused on like, you know, other varietals for French, more Bordeaux type of varietals yeah. than they were really for Gamay. So he kind of just stuck to it on his own and, you know, and it's, it be, has become quite successful. Um, yeah, so he wanted, when he first started in 2000 to, to make Gamay, it says that he found it so delicious and completely seductive. And so he, that's why he was swinging towards this. Gamay, a lightly colored, delicately perfumed variety, um, seemed hopeless in California. But he made he did it happen. It. He did he it. He did it. Um, So, you know, I mean, good for him. I do think that it is a well-done wine. I don't know if it's quite my style, but I think that it is done well. It's balanced well. 
Um, the taste is not quite up my no. I feel alley, like, but, but I think oh perfect. I just slipped right to the gamay page here. So it is expected to be a low tannin, high acidity, lower alcohol, lighter body, and like no sweetness. Right. I mean, it's barely there. When you talk about flavor profile of the grape itself, I, I mean, both of these I think fit that expression. Obviously, as we described, and we should just take a picture of these side by side, but the the California is it's so light. Mm -hmm. It's like opaque. It's I'm sorry, translucent. But the, this is what Beaujolais Nouveau looks like. It is, you know, and that's why I, I, think I actually more... think Beaujolais Nouveau takes even more of a purpley tone to it, and actually is a little bit darker. But I agree, because this I don't think I've seen a, an actual red wine that looks like this before. Um, it is extremely, <laughs> extremely. So Steve light. Edmonds also is an interesting character in himself. Um, he actually, there's actually a quote from him in the wine bible uh, that I found that I thought was interesting in the French section. Can you believe that? That's really, really wild. So this is his quote. The inseparable connection Ooh. in southern France between wine, food, and the earth reminds me that wine is a gift from God. In a visceral sense, drinking Chateauneuf de Pop and eating local sausages becomes a way of transcending time, of experiencing that which, though it may see seem temporal, is in fact timeless. That is a great ass quote. I think he's a very deep guy. Um, I did find on their website that he actually has a CD, um, believe it or not. And that's what Jamie was laughing at. Do you, do you want to tell them oh what his description of his music is? Okay. Yeah, he makes his own music. It's old country Americana. The description. <clears throat> Get ready. Honky tonk Hosanna to the human condition. A dirt road ode to mortality, staring down futility and bitterness, a lyric balm to the mournful and weary, replete with tasty guitar licks and unforgettable lines on every track. <laughs> I mean... <clears throat> I've listened to some of it. You gotta go online. They, I go to their website. This they is have, homework assignment. Mm -hmm. <laughs> their website is, I believe... Uh, it's... Oh, shoot. Uh, Edmund St. John, EdmundsStJohn.com. Yeah, so go to their website. They do have little uh, little snippets you can play of his music that's on the CD. We're not going to play it. Nope. I don't think we're allowed to. I don't think we are either. We need to look into these legal issues. Yeah, but get online and listen. It's interesting as shit. This guy has got to be like very, I think he's a very in-depth soul. And I think that, again, I really applaud him for his sort of going against innovative, the grain. Yeah, yeah. His innovative spirit to say, this is not, uh, look, I don't want to be doing just the humdrum stuff because then how do you, how, how do you stand out mm -hmm. in a crowd amongst these people, mm -hmm. right? Because if you're, and the other thing too is like, if you're just trying to appease certain reviewers, you're not making wine for the people. You're making wine for the reviewers, right. which by and large, I don't think the percentage of the population who is wine aficionado versus, uh, you know, casual to semi-informed drinker. Like, I just don't think that that makes sense. But even still, like, they got good reviews on this. I do think that, look, as Sarah described, this is not typ our typical wine that we would drink. 
We do tend towards like the meatier red wines. And I'd say the more deep flavored red wines, but this is a very specific varietal and expression of a grape that I think that we can't, we can't lose sight of the fact that it is unique from that perspective. Mm -hmm. I think it is a good Thanksgiving wine. Um, I agree. And that's actually, I wanted to talk like, talk a little bit about particular like wine pairings and stuff like that, because a lot of wines, when you have, you know, specific aspects of it, I talked about how this has low tannin. Like when you have a high tannin wine, you're going to probably want to limit some of the things that you're pairing it with. When you have a lot of spice, like oak characteristics, you're going to want to limit it too. Well, I think the other thing is, is you eat this so much different. on Thanksgiving that this is so light that it goes down smoothly. With ev- and with everything. And with everything. And you don't need to be like, feel weighed down by the wine. It's right. more of like a compliment to the, all the food that you're getting. Yeah. You know? So that's why I think it's a great Thanksgiving wine. Um, I think this runs about $22. The bone jelly? Yes. Okay. Uh, so just <laughs> before we kind of start winding down here, I do want to, to, to read what his label says. This um, guy's a character. I know. I like him. Life is so serious, pleasure hard won, in perfect balance, a man with life's weight on his shoulders. Smells a bouquet of violets, and his spirit soars out over this weary world. A jolliness ignites in his bones. He laughs in the face of death and the death dead laugh too. It's a joke shared across the abyss. There's only one wine I know that can evoke this mystery. It comes from the grape known as Gamay Noir, Au Jus Blanc. Most of the wine made from that grape comes from Beaujolais in the part of France between Burgundy and the Rhone. Ah, but at last, from above the 300 feet elevation in the Sierra Nevada foothills, here is the same true gamay from California to ignite the jolliness to quicken the spirit. May it be so. That's kind of cool. I like that. I think that's awesome. It is. Good for him, you know, for bringing something from uh, another place to this country that people said couldn't be done. So I applaud you on that. Mr. Edmonds. I'm looking again at the wine colors. <laughs> the the actual French wine, the Beaujolais, looks so it looks purpley. It looks magenta. Yeah. Uh, I would even say darker than magenta. It's more like a burgundy colored. Like you get the magenta tinge. Yeah. But I feel like it's got a, a deeper red color than magenta. Yeah. I mean again, I if I okay. Here's my point. Here's my opinion. Do it. If I'm going to serve one of these wines with food, I'm gonna choose. See, and I the would French choose the one. other one. Really? Yeah. I don't think that I can drink a throat lozenge throughout dinner. See, and I feel like it smells a lot better now. I feel like that it would um, pair better with with. With a variety of foods and then uh, the pardon, pardonne feel. Everyone, go do your own tasting. Get a Beaujolais Nouveau. It's Beaujolais Nouveau day. That means that it's out. Go get it. Get it. Go get Bone Jolly. Get some Bone Jolly. Uh, uh, or that sounds... That sounds really sexual. <laughs> get some I don't care. Food. You could do that too. Yeah. You know what? Do that too. Why not? Get a couple of bottles. Have a little fun. Uh, you know, mix it up. Try something new. You know? I like the French better. I'm sorry. See, and I like the California one better. I think it's more this complex. Is... It, there's a little bit more to it, and it 
it can get a little bit deeper. Well, they're they're very different styles. Totally. They're very different styles. It's the same grape done very differently. And hey, good this for that. This is such an excellent side-by-side -side pairing. <clears throat> so good. Because they're both 100% Gamay, same ABV, just different places. Like how the fuck? Yeah. And, you know, different winemakers. And there you go. You see how the differences can be... Uh, I loved it. Pronounced. This is why people need to do side-by-side -side tastings. Get the same grape from different places and just see, experience. Get experience it. in the bottle and in the glass. Have a party. Have a Beaujolais Nouveau party. It's fucking it's not Beaujolais too late. Day. You know what? By the time you listen to this, I want you to leave whatever you're doing and go out to a store and find yourself a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau and then pop that sucker open tonight or Friday, tomorrow night. Whatever night you deem appropriate, bitches. There you go. There you go. And imbibe and enjoy and be jolly and appreciate the fact that there's so much thought that has gone into these wines. I love wine. <laughs> Get a jolliness that ignites in your bones. That's right. That's right. Like Steve <laughs> Edmond says. <laughs> Get a Beaujolais Nouveau and a regular Beaujolais and check it out. See All right. what you think. Well, I'm going to cheers you a final yeah. time with my French Beaujolais. All right. You got your Kelly. I, I do. So until next time, have a very wonderful holiday and happy Thanksgiving. And, and now you have a wine that you can pair with your Thanksgiving meal. There you go. We did the work for you. There you go. <laughs> and it's cheap. It's cheap. So cheers. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time. Cheers. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you. So send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time. Cheers, cheers from, from the, the girls, girls of DBP. DBP.